Hey listener, this is Out of Beta. My name is Peter Soom and my co-host is Matt Wensing. Matt is the founder of Summit and I'm the founder of Reform and on this podcast you get to follow along on our startup journeys. If you're a new listener, don't forget to check out our website on autobeta.fm to find our entire back catalog. Hey Matt. Hey Peter. How are you? No video today. It's strange. It is. We're talking in a very dark room. Yeah. <laughs> my, my video is not working and you're secretly, secretly watching football or soccer or whatever you call it. So yeah. none of us have video on. <laughs> I just realized that it, it, if yours wasn't on, I didn't want to have mine on and have to feel like I had to look at myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, so I'm not going to do that. Cool. How's it going? It's going well, man. End of November, and we decided to run a little Black Friday deal, and it's working. And yeah, f- feeling pretty good. How about you? <laughs> Someone I know from Twitter tweeted something like, I'm doing a November challenge. And it the challenge is like, I need to get through November. <laughs> and I kind of like <laughs> resonated with that. <laughs> I can understand that too. Despite what I just said, that's the upside. I feel like the, <laughs> I feel like the down, I, I don't, it wasn't the holiday week. The holiday week was great. So we had Thanksgiving, celebrated Thanksgiving last week here and it was wonderful. Like good recharge. Daughter was here from college for the first time in a while. And that was really pleasant and recharging. I feel like the week before that was rough in the same way as that person was expressing. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a lot of churn, not a lot going on, people hard to get a hold of. Momentum just was not great that week. So that was kind of dark. Yeah, and that's tough. <laughs> it is. But yeah, but better this week. I was very happy that Monday started with a couple subscriptions and it's continued. So going to ride that wave right into dinner with some tiny seed founders oh nice in austin yeah microconf local oh sweet mm-hmm. i'm sick for the third time in a row like my son got sick at daycare then you know he passed it on to us and in in the meantime he was getting better but then before we were like feeling better again he got a new thing and then so and it's the third iteration in a row with no break Mm. between them Mm -hmm. which is definitely like like daycare's an interesting science experiment for sure (laughs) yeah it i i I don't know enough about immunology but i I think it also must does it does it actually fortify kids like that i mean over time they just do become immune to more stuff does that actually is that true or is that just something we tell ourselves to cope with the Yeah, I'm not sure. We get like a new like message, like we have this app for like daycare stuff and we get like a new push message like two times a week of like a new virus that we're like frantically like Googling how like how lethal is this, you know? Yeah. Rhinovirus C. Okay. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been interesting. Okay. Dude, we got a ton of housekeeping to do today. So maybe we just hmm. better like get into it. Yeah, let's rock. Yeah, maybe we'll start with the sponsor stuff because <laughs> okay. we still have Recast as our sponsor. And just to remind people, Recast, they do these snippets of your podcasts. So you put your podcast into Recast, they they do like a transcription. You can just like select the text you like and they create like a little video for social media. But they did a crazy thing recently that they launched. They sent me a video where they did it for our podcast and where they use AI to generate the snippets. So you actually don't have to do anything now. And it's crazy because he did it on our last episode and 
it came up with like 20 snippet ideas you just cool. like just in a second by clicking a button and and one of them was like like the titles were not perfect but you could tweak them you know but one of them was like will generative ai replace word processing like that's mm-hmm. the title it came up with and then it had like huh. the whole conversation we had about notion and like adding generative ai yeah. as like a feature yeah and another one was called working in bets and it had our conversation uh, talking about like arrows and the working in bets article that they wrote nice. i was mind blown like <laughs> that is really good man that's a good example of ai actually working right exactly like because it's you know it's not ai content it's just like ai making you giving you superpowers you know while you create yeah, the content. that's wonderful so i love that and i want people to check that out and they, they i think they soft launched it so it's available in in recast so yeah thank you to recast for being our sponsor and the next item on my list is a tweet you had <laughs> the tweet oh, you had oh, oh boy Oh boy, the tweet. Let's do it. We just got to get like the out of beta inside scoop. Yeah. Like you went like absolutely viral. Like I've never seen it before. Like I, so our editor, James from Pod Panda, he went viral recently with his cat and it got like, like millions of impressions. And I was like, whoa, someone I know is going viral on Twitter right now, like for real viral, you know, yeah, like where yeah. it just like goes up all the time, like the retweet stuff while you look at it. And it was nothing compared to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what happened? to say. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I've thought about it since then, obviously. And because it kind of consumed my life for two days or more. Yeah. I was just sitting there watching Formula One. It was the last race of the year, Sunday, and on our morning time early. So just turned on Formula One. I think I was still lying there in bed. And I just had this snarky thought about, you know, the hardcore engineering culture at Twitter and how, you know, the whole thing that went out. And then I also was thinking about, there was that meme that was going around where people would say, I was let go from Twitter and I was the guy that worked on uh, changing the notifications thing from saying like the number of notifications you have to just being a dot. It would be some kind <laughs> of super sarcastic, you know, terrible feature thing. And like, I'm looking for work now. And I just kind of took that and I don't know, revised it in my head a few times and posted my own riff on that, which was, I just did the inversion thing where I'm like, why don't I flip it around and say, I still work on Twitter. <laughs> And like, yeah. what would I say if I still worked at Twitter? And so I wrote this thing, posted it, and... Do you want to read it or like say what it was? Yeah, I I said, I still work at Twitter. I used to attend meetings about tweaking the icons. Last night, I drank eight Red Bulls and rewrote the worst parts of our direct messages backend. I haven't felt this alive since CS301. Thank you, Elon. Read the stats, too. Yeah, f- 4,885 replies, 12,505 retweets, and 180,764 likes. <laughs> and if I click the tweet engagement data that only I have access to, it was 12,250,594 impressions and 877,000 engagements. Yeah. That impression number is two Denmarks. <laughs> two Denmarks views. <laughs> Insane, right? Yeah. I, 
it was crazy. Like I just woke up in the morning and I think you were asleep and I, it it I just looked at it and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> does he know? Like, how much of this does he know right now because of the middle of night for you? Yeah. So the timing of that one was interesting. In fact, if I click it, I could get some more details here on it as we talk. But I so I, that's what I was going to share. So I tweeted it out and the most popular tweet I had seen on this subject had gotten maybe 50, you know, 10, 15,000 likes. And so that was my goal with it. And I thought that would be super cool. It's like, oh man, I, if I have one of these funny ones, maybe I could hit that. That would be the most popular tweet I've ever tweeted by like six or seven X because before that was 2K likes. And, and then I posted this one and obviously everything changed. And at first it got a couple likes and it was like a little bit. And then suddenly everything went bananas. I think it was right around 10 or 11 o'clock at night, maybe Sunday, after it got maybe 20 or 30 likes, someone with 30,000 followers retweeted it. And I can tell you what happened is it, I thought that once it got to maybe like 10 or 15,000 likes, it would potentially cross over into an audience that didn't know for sure if it was a joke. Yeah, I was like, you know, that would be like the super success mark, you know, if that happens. Well, somebody with 30,000 followers basically injected it into their entire audience of whom nobody realized it was a joke. <laughs> and that's the moment it kind of went nuts. And I went to bed with it climbing. I remember I took my son to the gym and he was going there with me and I, I said, hold my phone and, and tell me, tell me how many likes this thing has. And so I'm driving along. He's like, yeah, dad, you have like 600 likes now. I was like, oh wow. Okay. Me, this, this one's going to be popular after all. And then by the time I got home, it was like at 900 <laughs> from dropping him off at the gym. And then every time I looked at it, I think it was gaining a hundred likes every couple seconds. And then like a thousand likes then every couple seconds. And I think every minute or two, it was getting like dozens of retweets so it, it went it went truly so it was it was taking off when i went to bed i think it was at 30 or forty thousand, which was insane and i went to bed thinking okay maybe that was the most of it like that was the peak yeah that's when i got up because like i get up at between five and six in the morning which is like and and it was at like 40 something thousand and a couple hours later when i dropped my son at, off at daycare i checked it again and it had <laughs> it had Thirty-five thousand more likes than the last time I checked it. <laughs> Crazy man, that algorithm picked that thing up. It was, it was something. So then, it was right about that time too. My DMs were still open, and I realized that I had made a, a mistake. I was starting to get a lot of DMs, and I started to notice that a lot of them were basically asking for advice on getting a job at Twitter. That's so funny. Or for an introduction to someone at Twitter. Or a bug fix. Or just saying congratulations for your hard work at Twitter. Or bug fix reports for people at Twitter. And then the only other things that there were in all of this DMs, I think there was one reporter of like sort of tertiary journalistic, let's say, authority. And then like a bunch of people who wanted me to look at porn. That was basically like my DMs <laughs> growing. Sounds like time. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was very Twitter. And then, but what was striking was the percentage of people who took it for real. And also my follower count was doing numbers that I wasn't expecting. So sometimes you have a tweet get really popular and like the follower count part doesn't 
necessarily track. So I had 7,200 followers when I tweeted that. And I finished this insanity with 14,700 followers. And so yeah, doubled the follower count in 24 hours. So what took me, what? I joined Twitter in 09 or something like that. So it took me 12 years to build. I doubled in 24, 24 hours. How many tweets have you ever tweeted? I think it's like 36, 36,000 tweets. Yeah. So what is that? That's like, how much is this like increased the average like count on all of your tweets that you've ever tweeted in like 10 years? You know. Correct. I, I, I don't know, but I am willing to bet that 181,000 likes across 36,000 tweets, you're talking about maybe five likes per tweet. That actually might be the average or median of every tweet I've ever tweeted. Maybe. Yeah. So it just like doubled that maybe. It, <laughs> Yeah, it basically doubled that as well. Every tweet I've ever tweeted. So yeah, that's the difference, like you said, that's the difference between going, like getting popular and, and having a hot tweet and truly going viral where somebody, my daughter sends me, so we started getting messages. This is sort of the stuff you wouldn't see online. My, my wife turns to me and says like, I'm getting texts from friends who are asking if your husband, if like Matt works at Twitter now. <laughs> and people were like, that visited the house, asked me about it. Like people who I know started to reach out about it. And, oh, it also ended up on Reddit. So yeah. like Programming Humor picked it up and it got 32,000 votes for whoever posted it on Programming Humor. And the constant theme was a, I mean, so let's talk about that again for a second. The nerve that it hit clearly was Elon plus Twitter Plus like this hardcore engineering mentality, meaning, you know, th that he was trying to cultivate or he's, he's saying has to exist there now by force. And then that age old debate of, well, is that even the right way to do programming and coding and product development, you know, and it essentially, oh, and then add in Democrat versus Republican in, in our country where, you know, Elon's become a polarizing figure for a lot of folks and I think it because it just struck on three or four really hot polarizing topics simultaneously. It I think that's why it blew up. It was sort of the thing. And obviously I had no idea when I wrote it that it would be so successful, but yes, I did write it with the intent of it being popular, so I will say that. I just obviously had 10x lower expect like my dream scenario was probably 10x less than it than it did. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Has it changed Twitter for you? It has a little bit. So I I recognize that a lot of my followers now, some of them at least, still think of me as the guy that works at Twitter. That's okay. I'm okay with that. They're not listening to this podcast either probably. And if they are, point two, I actually think even if that's what they thought at first, that if I just continue to deliver tweets that are funny and enjoyable, that it's not like they're going to unfollow me because they find that out. Like, right. It turns out like, even if I followed somebody because I thought they were saying something serious, if I just thought it was entertaining and funny. And then I later found out that it was a joke, you wouldn't necessarily unfollow that person. Right. So yeah, that was kind of my strategy was to follow it up with a couple of tweets, like to not go completely quiet, but to follow it up with a couple of tweets that would kind of help on ramp people back to the fact that I am just a, occasionally funny tech guy <laughs> and, yeah. and who has strong views and spicy takes on things, which is what this was. And 
Yeah, that was my strategy. And that seems to be working. So in terms of what's changed, I do know that if I tweet things now, the bar is, sorry, the sort of the floor seems to be higher. Like it's just easier for me to get 20, 30, 50 likes on something without as much effort. And that feels good. And the other thing it's done is I did get positive sales leads for Summit out of that, funny enough, which... That's funny. Yeah, like it was not the goal at all, but inevitably some of those people, some of the people understood it was a joke. Some of them are in tech and some of them are in our target market. So it actually did create three or four new sales leads, which was fun. And and some of those new followers are, you know, regardless of your political affiliation, calculators are not political. So at least not yet. So, so there's a decent number of people who follow me now who are, you know, all over the spectrum and they also want calculators. So it's not bad for business. It's just not at all the way I thought that I would ever grow my follower count. 10 K was my goal for the last couple of years. And uh, I didn't think I would hit that number <laughs> in a day after working no. hard at it for 12 years. <laughs> so. Amazing. Congrats, man. Yeah, that's a cool story, cool war story, and also like a successful tweet. Yeah, actually, I'll add one other color commentary. I did start to get a little freaked out at the thought of a bunch of people maybe angrily discovering that I was joking. And so I did do a little bit of research online. I, I mean, this I know this sounds crazy, but when you suddenly feel like 12 million people are like aware of something you've said it just made me a little like I I felt a little bit nervous for the first time about being kind of getting that much frankly and so I did a little bit of searching online just to make sure like how much of my personal stuff is easily discoverable can people just get my address phone number all that stuff and it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I feared so that was good but I did actually check that because I realized like out of 12 million people, the odds that like some people maybe don't find your humor funny is is higher, you know? It's kind of like kind of like creepy. someone who just hates Twitter enough to like want to like do something bad to someone who works at Twitter. Yeah, you know? something like that or or the opposite of like, hey, this guy's a liar and I'm going to like dox him or something. Like, I don't know. I just something in my brain just got a little bit nervous and I just kind of did a double check of of that. So you know, it's not something you think about ever when you get your 58 likes, but suddenly with 12.2 million impressions, I was like, let yeah. me just, uh, just and make some sure. some of the people that retweeted it were like of a more like higher caliber, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say who retweeted it uh, because I, you could decide if you want to say that on the podcast, but like people were retweeting it. And I was, frankly, I was welcoming anybody that found some truth or humor or whatever to it. But my daughter sent me a message in the morning that said some congressperson, some U.S. congressperson had retweeted it. And I didn't get to check that because, like you said, there's been like, whatever, 10,000 retweets. But, you know, when Congress people start retweeting something, I was like, this is this is maybe getting uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like, like, like it's just this this could. So it was fun. I'm actually really glad it's over, though. And yeah, yeah but what a what a crazy way to start the week. Yeah, I mean, when James Cat went viral, like he deleted the tweet in the end because, in the end, it was just like in the end, it was just people messaging him that they he thought he should kill his cat because it had like yeah. ruined his MacBook or something. What the hell? And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy listening to these people anymore. I'm gonna delete this tweet. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I actually did have a moment where I thought of doing that. And I think I shared that with Tracy at Tiny Seed. I was like, I think I might, I think I might delete this. This is getting a little crazy. And she's like, don't do it. Don't do it. So then I just, I closed my DMs instead. That's, that's the moment I closed my DMs instead. Yeah. And I also changed my bio so that it said like occasional comedian in there. Now I, I might actually yeah. remove that eventually, but I felt like, you know, I didn't want to get banned from Twitter. That was the other thing. I was like actually a little bit worried that maybe somebody's going to think I'm impersonating a Twitter employee or something, which I was just joking, but like wasn't technically impersonation. So I added that to my bio. So I did, I did a couple tweaks just to sort of duck and cover a little bit. And yeah. that's what caused me to stick with it. But what a moment. What a day. What a day. So <laughs> bit of an adrenaline rush, but a fun way to start the week. Yeah, that's for sure. I was tweeting that I was living vicariously through you that day. <laughs> yeah. I checked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was surreal. Cool. Yeah, well, there's more hearts keeping. The next thing on my list is we decided to take a season break. Yeah. So it looks like there probably might not be an episode before the new year, unless we get really crazy and do mm-hmm. like a special holiday special or something like that. But if not, both of us kind of felt like it was a good time for us to take a break and just like focus on other things and not have to worry about the podcast and draw a line in the sand and yeah. and start a new season in 2023 and maybe we'll have some updates about stuff Mm -hmm. that's changed or yeah maybe that's just my tease for season three or four i'm not sure what we want to call it yeah new a new season i like that i think that's better than being distracted and doing half half good episodes and yeah creates that punctuation which is going to happen anyway thanks to the holidays yeah i also I think maybe it's a good time for us to kind of like rethink the whole, like how we do the podcast, the format, to be honest, like with the advertise advertisers, the sponsors, I think with Eduflow, when we did the the episode with them, that was like peak to me. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. But now like we don't really have any like sponsors lined up and it feels like in this economy that we're in right now, like I would have to actually do a lot of work to like get sponsors Mm-hmm. And maybe I'd rather like get reform customers, you know, instead of like sponsors, because it's not really it's spoiler alert, but it's not a lucrative endeavor. But it it pays for the basic stuff, you know. Yeah. So maybe it's another maybe it's a time for us to kind of like think about how we want to do things in the new year. I think so. Yeah, I I agree, and yeah. it'll create a nice a nice comma or ellipsis however you want to look at it here and i things are evolving at summit as well and it'll be fun to see like we're trying some new things with go to market and i think picking it back up in january will be more interesting things to share yeah i feel the same way about reform i actually just realized is episode number 150 which is pretty cool okay so that another good reason (laughs) to take a break maybe yeah Nice milestone. Whoever does something 150 times in a row. <laughs> That's true. I, th- I think other than like vacation breaks, we've really not had much of, we've ever had a gap of, you know, a month or so before. Yeah. I, I took a few weeks off when I was kind of trying to find an idea for reform because I couldn't really talk about anything anyways. If people have thoughts, ideas, whatever, they're 
free to reach out to me. Oh, I I am kind of like, I, I, we haven't talked about this, but I'll just talk about it anyways. Like we both love the Acquired podcast. I am kind of like looking at if it would be cool to like have an out of beta community in a sense mm. and maybe mm-hmm. have like, like they have the LP club. I would love to have like something like the LP club instead of sponsors where it's basically yeah. just like a little membership fee and maybe you get like, I was thinking maybe we could do like have a couple of monthly like Q and A episodes or and we would have like some sort of like community place people could hang out. Yeah, what they do that's also cool is they do a, you know, LPs only like Zoom call or just yeah. hang out occasionally, which I think could be an option. So yeah, that's yeah. it's cool. Stuff to kick around. Definitely. Yeah. I have a few things for my update as well. Kind of in the same yeah, let's do it. In the same vein as these things. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I haven't talked about it that much on the show, but I've been working with Tailwind CSS for the past, I don't know, like five months or something like that. Mm-hmm. And December is going to be my last month doing that, at least for like, for now. Um, mm-hmm. I could see us doing stuff together in the future as well, but kind of like the projects that I've been working on are going to be done <laughs> in a few weeks. And the new year is going to be other projects that I'm not really going to be involved in. So the challenge with Tailwind is that it's it's been a really nice experience working there, but it's also required a lot of effort and a lot of time. Mm. So it's taking a lot more time away from Reform than I thought it would. So I'm really eager to spend more time on Reform again, which is what I'm going to be able to do in the new year. And yeah, so it's like a big, a really big change. And... Mm-hmm. It's been great to like have, well, it's, it's been good. It would have been even greater if it had been kind of like the side gig <laughs> that I thought it would. Um, yeah. But I think I just kind of got like dragged into like, well, the projects just kind of like, if the projects were going to be like basically tailwind standard, it, it just couldn't really be like, I see. you know, two days a week, right? If, yeah. if it was going to be like, and I've done a few different things. We did the job board. It didn't really work out. And then we did the Tailwind Showcase, which went really well. And then right now I'm working on two templates with some of the other people at Tailwind that we're going to release soon. And they're going to be really great as well, I think. So the projects are are really great, but they just customer-facing stuff at Tailwind <laughs> CSS or Tailwind Labs, as the company is called. The quality mm-hmm. bar is very high and yeah. uh, things take, take time. Yep. And I get passionate as well. So it's like, it's hard for me to be putting in a lot of effort one place and then also like, you know, in the evening or whatever, put in a lot of effort somewhere that, else. That was kind of going to be my question without digging in too much is like, is it a, or in anything confidential or whatever, but is it like, you say it's a mentally consuming or just hours consuming or both? Both. Like there's a lot of like, so the stuff I've been doing has been like the the best word I can think of is like product manager, mm, but mm-hmm. for some of the stuff, it's also just been like, kind of like trying to take as much as I could off of Adam's place on the projects that I was assigned to basically. Mm. And well, especially for the first project, the job board, it was almost like a founder role in a sense, like start a new branch yeah. of the business in a sense. Yeah. But like very entrepreneurial. Yeah, it was very entrepreneurial. The templates are more like product manager, like and, and the way it kind of works is like we come up with a fake 
like a fake startup or something we do like their website basically mm. so it's so there's a lot of like creative energy that's needed to like come up with the ideas but then yeah. there's also just like a ton of like coordination with a designer and a developer like throughout the projects and just kind of like steering the project so it's project management product management and like the whole like creative process as well got it makes sense you need you need inspiration to do that work well and inspiration is kind of always scarce inside a person so where where you, where you deploy that is if i go for a walk in the forest like i can either like think of the idea that i need to talk to someone at Tailwind about in like an hour on a call or i can think about a reform which yep. like in theory could also think about tomorrow you know yeah that's why i was i was telling somebody recently that if you're going to combine like two things i think consulting where you're on the hook to deliver creative results and is probably the hardest thing to combine with starting up because mentally unplugging from one to plug into the other is is different than if you have some kind of job where you can literally just like close your laptop and then open another one (laughs) and say like yeah i i don't need to think about the other one at all as long as i'm off the clock you know um yeah if I'm going to do something like part-time ish again, I think it needs to be something I can like batch or just like doing like very like, you know, for an hour every day and then be done with it in a sense, or like something I can batch in like two days or like a week, every three weeks or something like that. Yeah. And just like intensively like get everything done and, and then kind of like, yeah, put it away for a bit. Yeah. And it needs to be more async because with Tailwind, like I've been like a part of the team. Like I went on the team retreat as well, like when we went to Florida a month ago. And so like, I'm very much like part of the the team on a day-to-day basis. So that's why Reform just became like the side project, which has been okay for a while, but now it like, I feel like Reform needs me. And the projects at Tailwind are like, kind of like, getting done in like two or three weeks and so it's like the right time to switch focus and um with reform it's also like not been like the easiest time because what reform really needs is like me thinking about it and like kind of coming up with a new direction for it which is really hard to do like on the nights and weekends and so it's basically like when i've thought about something for reform i'm kind of like I've run out of time <laughs> to do anything about it. Um, yeah. So then it doesn't really help thinking about it if you don't really do anything with that thinking. Yeah, I was going to say, you also, you're not out of ideas with reform. I mean, I think that's also an element of this where if reform were truly just rinse, wash, repeat or boring in a good way yeah. and boring in a bad, it's boring in a bad way too. But like if it were just <laughs> kind of cranking through the same sort of set of things. Yeah, I'm not done with it. Yeah, you're not out of ideas. It hasn't reached its full potential. And now it's just about scaling it. Yeah. I think you'd feel differently. I know when I got to that point with my first with my first startup where I realized that oh, we're just doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> it was almost around the same time that I started thinking about other I one of two things happens. You either start thinking about new products and services that you're current company that's working can start to do yeah you know or you find a way to shake things up right or 
you know, you change what you're doing. And I think if you had that, but you don't have that with reform either, you have, you have a lot left to prove and build. Yeah. The thing that's been like really frustrating is it's like, like it's not working the way it needs to work, but it is, it is working somehow, you know, like people really like the product. We just crossed 200 paying customers the other day, which was like a nice milestone. Nice. Yeah. Very like, that's like a lot of people. If you line them up, you know, (laughs) that are currently paying for the thing. Yeah. And, but the problem is they're not paying that much basically and basically like not valuing it enough, I think. And the problem from my point of view is like, we've just been struggling to like really like say who reform is for, like why it's better than other form builders. Like Mm. a lot of people think it's better than the other form builders they've tried, but it's like, it's maybe not so obvious exactly why, or it's like for different reasons. And every time I talk to people about this, when I tell them like how it's actually going with reform, they're always like surprised and they're like, but it's so weird. Like, and then they mention like ex competitor, like they're doing so well, like how, what, what, what's different about you? Like why, like, why is it working for them? And you know, there could be a lot of different reasons I have, I have like, I think I, I know why, but it's just like, it's a really competitive market, just like form builders in general. And it doesn't really like you, yeah, you can mention example of competitors that are doing really well. You know, maybe like a couple of handfuls, but you could have probably also mention a lot of them that didn't do super well. So that's been frustrating because people are so surprised because they, as a customer, they love using Reform and they think it's like the best form builder they've ever tried. But yeah, I've just realized that we 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 haven't like figured out how to make acquisition work for Reform, and I think I thought freemium would help because I've seen it help our competitors. But I think what I realized is that the type of customers we have right now, they don't really have like a lot of like virality to them when, mm-hmm. when, when they use reform because compared to other form builders, our customers, customers don't really want to be our customers. That, that's really complicated, but like a lot of our customers are not really like influencers. Like mm-hmm. they're not like, some like no code influencer and everyone who fills out their form is also trying to be a no code influencer, you know, which will like create a viral loop. We don't really have that. It's like, you know, I have a SaaS company that does like, and I need forms and my customers in like X boring industry <laughs> and, and they don't need forms necessarily, or they don't care, you know? So it doesn't really, it's not really viral. We've, yeah. ne- we've never really experienced that like virality. The only thing we have like close to that is that people talk about it a lot and mm-hmm. a lot of the signs we get is like i heard about it from a friend or i saw someone mentioning it that's like the one of the most common reasons people sign up for reform but yeah anyways we have seen an interesting sort of like opportunity recently where a couple of well more people have talked to me about using reform for like sales use cases like demo requests and lead forms Mm-hmm. And I've started digging into this a bit and I'm s- still like skeptical. I'm rereading the mom test just to like keep myself in the right mind space, but also like really curious about this as like a potential direction for reform because we have a lot of like SaaS customers that are using reform in, in some sort of sales lead intake sort of flow and the integration with it with less annoying CRM was really popular with their users. So there's definitely something here. And, um, and I, I, I'm not sure yet, but like I'm starting to feel like there might be like a hole in the market 
and people have like real problems that are trying to find solutions for that potentially mm-hmm. like reform could help them do mm-hmm. and something where they would have like you know a, a 10x yep. willingness to pay <laughs> compared to what they pay right now right and and that changes that changes how you can go to market because now you can at $19 a month and i know you have other yeah, prices yeah we can literally now, go but, to the market <laughs> yeah at $19 a month you basically have to do viral or inbound and organic and all of these hyperscalable channels that are super cheap to acquire customers. You can't really even do paid, but if you can get that to 190 <laughs> a month or 250 a month, suddenly you have a lot more options. You know, you have paid, you have promotions, you have you know, a light amount of inside sales effort. You have a, you could do a little bit of outbound just to stir up interest. There's just a lot more you can do to justify a customer whose lifetime value is you know, $5,000, right? Or yeah. $10,000 as opposed to, you know, $200. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I don't want to like say too much either. Cause we're like, it's still like very early, which is also like why it's nice for me to have this like podcast break. So I can like spend mm-hmm. some time on this and then hopefully come back with like an update on how it's going. The only thing I'll say is if, if any of our listeners have like, basically if anyone has like a request a demo button slash form on their website with like a scheduling flow, I would really like to talk to you about it. Sounds so, like a small market, Peter. I don't, I, <laughs> <laughs> JK. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Yeah. It's still pretty, if you can find a much more salient price point and it's still yeah. that broad, but it's not just forms. The thing that's exciting right now is like I have like basically a list of three or four things that that this like pivoted version of reform could do for sales teams on mm-hmm. like their inbound sales process. And basically what I'm trying like I want a list of like maybe at least three things. And what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to have conversations with people and kind of like hone the pitch. And what I really want to do is like try to get this to a point where just one of these would make people say, yeah, I would switch and pay like one to $200 a month if you could do just like one of the things you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And because like that's one of the main things we've been missing with reform is like the differentiation, like just like the ability to like tell someone, yeah, it's a form builder, but it's built for sales teams. And like it, it does this and they're like, it does what? Seriously? And... I'm trying to get to that point. That's awesome. That point is there. And I've had that a little bit lately with Summit, which is it's really exciting where somebody goes from, that would be useful to, that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. And there's a big difference in willingness to pay there. And, and urgency. You know, people then suddenly want it. They're like, I, I want that like next month, not next year. Yeah, someone who listens to this podcast um, and that I'm talking to later this week, like said the other day, like we're still paying for reform and it's one of the three form tools we pay for right now. And the only reason we still pay for it is because I haven't bothered like, <laughs> you know, canceling mm. because mm-hmm. we, only, we only have one form and we don't really need that form anymore. But now if you did this, like that we're talking about right now, like now it's like I'm willing to pay like, hundred two hundred dollars a month for this because this is like helping me get more leads and better mm-hmm. leads mm-hmm. that's cool man and it's funny like when you listen to the the mom test it's like 
one of the things he talks about is like, like you got to figure out if this is even something people want, but like for some things, like it's okay to just assume that they want, like it's okay to assume that a company wants more business basically. Right. Right. So like, I don't think I need to spend much time like validating that part. Yeah. If I can truly get you to understand your prospects better sooner, faster and cheaper, would you want that? Like, there's it's like nobody's going to say no to that, right? Yeah. So that's what's on my mind. <laughs> let's uh, let's hear about Summit. You're kind of like teased a teased a little bit already. Yeah, uh, I've been doing more sales calls lately, and have also been finding you know better willingness to pay, slightly higher and higher willingness to pay around using Summit calculators, using the APIs to build like these lead magnets, which is to say on a marketing site, you have a calculator. It does some cool thing for the user, for the visitor, and they can capture an email address or just capture interesting data, like getting somebody to fill out a form or a survey, very similar. But then being able to deploy these to, again, these marketing sites. And it's it's a pretty simple pitch when it comes down to it. But what I've realized recently was, you know, I built like 25 free calculators in a one month period in August basically August and September. And what I've started to do is map those calculators, not just to like, oh yeah, I could see how such and such a company would like this calculator. Maybe. What I've started to say is, wait a minute, I built a vacation rental revenue forecasting calculator. Obviously trying to go direct to a consumer who might be interested in a vacation rental property thing is one thing we could do. But what I've suddenly realized or also realizes, wait a minute, how many vacation property rental or vacation rental property software businesses are there, right? Who could all be using this as a lead gen tool? And so I just went on G2, the review site, because I was trying to find like, how can I find out who, who are all the companies in this space? And I typed in vacation rental property software and I found like 25 companies in this sorted list by number of stars and reviews that all have basically CRMs for rental properties. And they're all there to help people who own them improve their revenue (laughs) and run their businesses. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Like (laughs) I just need to go on LinkedIn and I need to find the marketing folks at each of these companies and just show them a beautiful vacation, vacation rental property, short-term rental property, revenue calculator that they can give away to their users for free and use as a lead gen tool. We have one of those. (laughs) I built it already. It took me an after. And so I've already started to try a little bit outbound, personalized outbound where I have a calculator. It seems like an incredibly good fit. I do a little bit of research on the person. They are the marketing or growth person at that company. And I reach out to them with a very personalized message and offer and link to the calculator and say, this is real. I really wrote this. Now, the hard thing about writing a cold email, even though it's personalized, is not sounding like every other robotically created <laughs> personalized outreach email. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I've, I've got to figure out how to like let the person know that, no, I really am sitting here on my couch writing this from my laptop without saying that because that's what everybody says. So I don't know yet how to crack that code but I'm working on it and I'm going to try it. And so for the next couple months, I think what we might try to do is 50 to a hundred like specific personalized outreaches where 
you know, we have a calculator that would make perfect sense in their funnel and just reach out to them and see if we can get them interested. And once you start talking about Summit in those terms, and then you start talking about it being something that can be used for like lead capture or enrichment, again, willingness to pay is a lot higher because now I don't need engineers to build this. It's turnkey. It collects really valuable data, including email addresses. And I can just put it on my website in a week. <laughs> you know, every marketer wants collateral or content or, or essentially engineering is marketing, right? Like that. And that's yeah. what we're offering. So I'm optimistic, but we'll see. But I'm having a lot of fun just kind of playing the inside sales role for a little bit and see how it goes. Yeah. I think if you're unsure or like trying to find like a good direction, like just doing a bunch of sales <laughs> and customer discovery feels like what, mm. like the most effective way to like quickly get feedback and iterate on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the best case scenario is that they're not only interested in the one that we have, but they also say, oh, now that we can do this, boy, it'd be really cool if we also had a little calculator that did this and another one that did that. I talked to somebody yesterday who's in the creator economy space, and they basically said they wish they had one of these for every type of creator. So a TikTok creator, a newsletter writer, a YouTuber, you know, they want a calculator for each, each of these sort of creator economy jobs or channels, they can develop a calculator for those people and promote it to them. And for us, it's fantastic because it's essentially, we can get our toe in, but then to think of deploying, you know, three, four, five of these at one client is it's more for them, but it's also more for us. So that's, that's my optimistic case is that this is like a hubspot like tool that you don't just use for one page you essentially have these kind of existing and increasing number of these uh lightweight mathematical apps that people that marketers can build and and tweak and we went live with one this week which i was able to share on twitter it was a calculator that employees can use to figure out what their monthly contributions would need to be to lease an electric bike which is fun that was built in collaboration with an agency and they built it for this client that essentially offers, yeah, electric bikes as an employee perk. And it was just a great example of a calculator that's like not easy to build in JavaScript because it's taking into account like payroll functions and taxation and withholdings and, in, and all these things. And employers get to set kind of their own like contribution level. So there's a lot of different factors and building that in JavaScript is a pain. But then, you know, an agency was able to to do that working with us and is now excited about doing that for other clients. Yeah, so that was really nice. The UI was completely customized. They customized it. We just wrote the logic, but it felt really, yeah, that was a really nice win and it, it shows well, it's quick. And yeah, they didn't really have another, the other way of doing it would have been to hire a JavaScript developer for a couple of days. And, and then you still have maintenance and a whole bunch of other things. So how'd you get in touch with them? Uh, Peter, our engineer on our team knew them. Uh, I think they in the same co-working space, they work close enough to each other in, in Belgium. So yeah, so that was cool. Just kind of a friend of a friend. That's and, amazing. Yeah. They really liked how, if they want to change something, they don't have to 
have a JavaScript dev go in and change code and like redeploy. They can just go into Summit. Hey, we want to change how this calculator works in our marketing site. Just go into Summit, edit it, click publish, you're done. You know? Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, yeah. Anytime marketers don't need engineers to do stuff and anytime engineers don't need to be asked by marketers to do stuff, <laughs> there's there's opportunity there, you know? Yeah. So that, that's been fun. So yeah, sales experimenting and some new, you know, new inbound self-service subscriptions as well. It's been good. Nice. One thing I kind of forgot to mention on Reform is that Bjorn is still working on it and shipping features. I kind of mm. feel like I didn't give him credit <laughs> while I was complaining about how little time I had for it. But he has been shipping some really cool stuff lately, like searching responses and even a dashboard if people mm-hmm. a, a highly requested feature and a Fathom analytics integration as well so oh, nice you need to send out a product update this week which feels good yeah yeah that's great cool cool yeah uh let's wrap up and say thank you to our show notes sponsor debug bear talked about them before they have a free tool that can check your website see if there's something that you should improve to make it rank better and load faster for your users and if you go to our show notes there's a link to the url where you can drop in your url to your website and get a free report you don't have to fill out anything except like the url and now you get like nice. all the stuff you need so thank you debug bear for sponsoring our show notes thank you and uh Enjoy the break, man, and uh, everyone Thanks, listening. I hope it won't be too hard to uh, <laughs> miss you. Yeah. Miss y'all. Maybe we should try that community thing soon. Sooner, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Maybe, maybe we will. If we do, we'll we'll send out. We'll, we'll share it on on the Twitter. So. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Peter. Talk to you later. See ya.